Hi, this is Danielle Crissa from The Jaws Curator, and this is the killer cake. It was the cake that should have told them something. The killer cake, the cake to die for. Okay, that was a Keith um, Morrison intro to a Dateline episode, um, but you gotta admit, that guy, he knows how to set a set a mood. Anyway, there is no uh, cake-related crime or cake at all, actually, um, on today's episode of On the Case, Investigating Artsy Issues. Um, but there is a mystery that needs solving. And the mystery is this. I'm channeling Keith. Must you make art every day and have it be your sole source of income in order to be a real artist? not just someone with a, quote, cute hobby. Do you prioritize everything else, never leaving a moment for creativity, thus freezing up when the time does arrive? This is the case of everyday troubles. Oh, man. I really could do Dateline. I could. Um, okay, so first, I have to remember to tell all of you that are listening from wherever you download your podcasts. So you can continue to just listen like you always have. But with this new iteration of the podcast, you can also watch too, because Art for Your Ear is now also Art for Your Eye. And I'm on YouTube. Facing my fears of video. And uh, yeah, so if you go to youtube.com slash the gels curator, a one word, um, you can watch this episode too. If you're over there, or if you're on your way, you will see that I'm wearing my deputy badge so that we're sure that all of these um, art mysteries and injustices are solved. Yeah, I'm just a deputy. I'm working up to sheriff. But anyway, uh, okay, so today's episode is based on two questions from two artists, Sarah Wilson and Krislin Verkus. Uh, they are both subscribers to my daily newsletter. Um, that's how they got on here. I, I asked all of my um, newsletter subscribers to send me any questions that they had. So if you want to get your questions on here, um, you need to be a subscriber because let's face it, membership has its privileges. So you can um, do that. There's a link in my Instagram. Um, Instagram is just the jealous curator, all one word. And there's a link right in there for the daily newsletter, which is called the no such thing as too much art society. It's only three bucks a month and you get art every day. I mean, that's like one crappy latte a month that you have to give up to be part of this. So do it. Okay. So these two questions are from Sarah and Krislin. Um, their issues aren't exactly the same, but I feel like they're kind of swimming in the same pool. And so I want to talk about them together. So first, here's the message I got from Sarah, who you can find on Instagram at Sarah, no H, S-A-R-A, -A, Sarah Wilson Art, all one word. Um, actually, I can show you. Let's see if I can actually screen share this time. Do you want to see if I can do it? Oh, that was my real challenge last time. Okay. I sure hope I'm sharing Sarah's work. Okay. So Sarah Wilson art. Um, here's Sarah's stuff. And if you are not on YouTube, feel free to pop over to Instagram and take a look at everything that she does. Okay. Stop share. 
I hope it's back to me and my deputy badge. Okay, so um, this is what Sarah sent me. Uh, the issues I have most are time. No, the issues. What? The, oh, I wrote that wrong. The issues I have most of the time are feeling tight and tense when I finally sit down to create work, um, which I think are actually related issues. They are. I have many photos and sketches and color schemes recorded in my phone and sketchbook, but only a few of those ideas have made it to the canvas. I am an art teacher and my husband and I own a brewery, so cool, with a group of friends, um, with one of my responsibilities being that I get to select the artists that display their art in our tap room. I am surrounded by art in my life between the brewery and teaching art to high school students, but wish I would produce more art of my own and hopefully someday I will have enough pieces to be the featured artist in our brewery. <laughs> I feel so alive and happy when I create but other than participating in weekly warm-up exercises with my high school students or showing them a sample demonstration, I don't prioritize my own art making. It leads to feeling tense and that I have to make something keepable whenever I finally do sit down at a canvas. I wish I could return to the uninhibited way I made art when I was a kid and just make so much work that I am free to try anything. Sarah, you already know what I'm going to say. Don't you? Hang on. I need a sip of my coffee. I can solve, I can solve um, mysteries better with coffee. Hang on. Mm -hmm. Okay, Sarah. First of all, put yourself in the show in the brewery. If you are curating it, <laughs> put yourself in there. If you feel like you don't have enough work, that's okay. Curate a group show and put in two pieces. But put yourself on the freaking wall. Don't. Don't hold off on that. Okay. Whew. Sorry. Sorry for the tough love. Okay. Next. You know, again, what I'm going to say. You got to prioritize. And you already know that or you wouldn't have written that email. So that just comes to, it's sort of two things. One, you have to believe that being an artist and being creative in your own way is important. And I think that you do again, or you wouldn't have written in and you wouldn't have an Instagram feed filled with stuff that you're doing. So you obviously think it's important. So is it less important than all the other things that you're somehow working into your schedule? That was rhetorical. No, it is just as important, but somehow, some way, so many of us do this. We bump our creativity down on the priority list. I don't know why humans do that. I think we've been told that creativity is fun and frivolous and you have to do all the other stuff first. And if you have time, if you have five minutes, then you can squeak it in. But then you hit the problem where, you know, you're feeling like it needs to be a masterpiece. So scheduling. One of my favorite stories that came from the last iteration of Art for Your Ear podcast was an interview I did with an artist and art professor um, at the University of Chattanooga, Tennessee. He, um, his name is Mark Bradley Shope. He's an amazing guy. And one of the things he told me that will stay with me forever is that when he talks to his seniors, his fourth year art students that are about to graduate, he will say, okay. How much studio time can you dedicate every week once you graduate? Um, so is that 
like maybe you're working three jobs to pay your rent. Um, and it sounds like you're really busy with the brewery and with, um, with teaching high school. So how much time can you realistically commit? May, is it five hours a week? Is it 20 hours a week? Is it only Saturdays? Is it 15 minutes a day? Whatever that is, figure it out and commit to that amount of time. So if, uh, you know, if you get home and you're tired and you're like, oh, forget it. Well, you can't, like, you wouldn't just forget going to school and teaching kids. You go because you're committed. Um, you wouldn't not help with the brewery because you're committed. So you have to have that same kind of commitment to your work. So decide what that time is, do it. Um, it's kind of amazing. I started doing it uh, because back in the day, I only would go like, you know, into the studio for, I'd give myself Saturdays, but if I wasn't in the mood or if other things were going on, I just would skip it. So I've started forcing myself to go in there. And even if I wasn't feeling inspired or I didn't have the right materials or I was grouchy or whatever it is, I would just commit to the one hour or two hours I had decided on. And I would just tidy the studio or I would cut out little bits of stuff because I know eventually, you know, I'm going to need this lady's fingers. So I might as well have them cut out and ready to go so that um, on the day where I get in there and I am feeling creative and I've got this little moth wing, I know that I can already do that and I'm on my way to an artwork, right? So you might as well procrastinate with purpose, get in there for your 15 minutes or your hour or whatever you've decided on and um, get organized, just play around, whatever. So there's that story. Then the other thing you know I'm going to say is don't be precious. Don't go in there in that hour you've allotted or the 15 minutes you've allotted and expect a masterpiece. It ain't going to happen. Um, and then you'll be really, really frustrated, which is exactly where you are right now. So you need to go in there with a whole bunch of pieces of paper or a bunch of tiny canvases and just play. Now, um, we are going to come back to this in a second. I think I've been, I think I've given you enough tough love for right now, but don't you worry. I'm coming back. Okay. So this is not an open and shut case, Sarah. So we're going to talk about Chrislyn's work and her problems, and we're going to loop back around. And then I have a very special guest coming on to talk about all of this. Um, I don't know <laughs> if she has a deputy badge, but I do believe that that she's got a lot of good thoughts on all of these things. So, okay. So the question from Chrislyn, um, and you can find her at underscore Chrislington. I love that. K-R-I-S-L-I-N-G-T-O-N, T-O-N, Chrislington on Insta Instagram. Instagram. Um, okay. So I'm just going to try and share my screen and show you her work. Oh, you guys, technology, it's really something. Okay. I really hope that you can see this. Oh, okay. So, Krizlin, so here is what she's been doing lately. <clears throat> Watercolor, experimenting, uh, work on paper. So you can go check this out. And again, if you're just listening, um, it's sort of like washy, abstract, colorful. There's bits of gold in the paint. Um looks really experimental and fun 
And so, yeah, lots of polka dots, bright colors. Go and check her out. Um, so let's get to her letter. She says... My constant questions in the subconscious are related to creativity as a hobby or creativity as a source of income. I haven't studied art in an art academy, but making things with my hand comes from home. My grandmother used to make pretty much all of my clothes when I was little, so crafts run in the family line. Over the years, I have made clothes, uh, taken photos, made cards, textiles, jewelry, and of course, countless drawings and paintings, etc., in my mind's eye, I think it would be a dream come true to create all day. I hear that. Every day, all day, and work from a home studio. Then again, I don't see myself as much of an entrepreneur. I also have my concerns about creating more things for environmental reasons. Yes, too many questions and too many obstacles. I shall try to rephrase my main question. How does one know if their creativity is a hobby or is it something bigger uh, when shared with the world be could become a source of income and therefore an everyday job? Okay, first, let's not jump right over the environmental issue that you brought up. I totally get that. I have thought that many, many times as I'm buying more canvases or more panels or whatever it is to add to the pile I already have in my studio. Um, and I think... A suggestion for that is since you work with so many materials already, that amazing list that you um, shared, maybe from here on out or you start experimenting and playing, you could make your work from found or repurposed things. So um, reuse old textiles, uh, make new jewelry out of old jewelry. Um, maybe your paintings happen on top of thrift shop paintings or on top of fabric that you find at a thrift shop things that you can reuse, uh, but in your own way. And then you'd be, you know, handling the environmental issues that you're having with creating more work. And then that won't be an excuse because you'll actually feel good that you're not buying new stuff. You're just repurposing. Um, and it will get you um, maybe closer to making every day, which is what you want. Um, but now we have to get into the whole hobby versus soul income extravaganza. Okay, that is tricky and is asked by, I think, probably everyone listening to this podcast right now. I wish you could all just nod along with me. Um, okay, so I thought about this a lot before I hit record. And I think the first question has to be um, for you, Krislin, and for everybody who's listening, who's thinking exactly the same thing. Do you have true passion for what you are making or are you just trying to come up with something that you think people will buy because those are two really different things um okay so if you are making something that you love my suggestion would be just keep making it <laughs> whether you're making it every day or in those windows of time that i was suggesting to sarah puts aside. So even if you're not um, making every single day, all day, 10 hours a day, but you're making every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday from 4 till 6 p.m. If you are passionate about what you're making and you love the thing that you're making, even if you're not sure what that is right now, even if those hours are spent sort of 
test driving this new idea of working with found materials. Um, you're going to be happy um, because you're doing something that you love and you've got this dedicated time. So suddenly it starts to feel a lot more legit uh, because you are committed to being an artist with a capital A. Um, okay, so if you're consistent with your commitment and your passion, it's just going to become something bigger. That's just sort of how it works. Um, and eventually, once you hit on the thing that you love making and you're dedicated and committed the time to making that thing, it is just going to become something bigger and it is going to become a source of your income and maybe eventually the source of all of your income. Um, now, there's a lot to say about that because first of all, it's <laughs> it takes time. There's patience. There's there's no it's I mean, it's I guess it happens, but it's very rare that this is an overnight thing that you decide on something and you put it out there and the world can't wait to get it and they buy it and you're rich and you make that thing every day. Wouldn't that be nice? I would really like that if that happened to my art too. Um, but it's all about patience. And I can't believe how hypocritical this is because I am probably the least patient person in the world especially right now. There are things that I'm waiting for. Uh, I'm hitting my refresh on my email like every 10 minutes. Uh, it's not helpful. So sometimes you need to take a deep breath. Remember, you know, all of how lucky you are and grateful you are for all of the other things and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing the thing that you love. It will happen. You just have to be patient and consistent and passionate easy. Um, for example, um, the story of, of how I started with Jaws Curator, and I apologize if people have heard this story, but you're going to hear it again. Um, so when I started the Jaws Curator, my son was two. I was an at-home mom. Um, I was starting the Jaws Curator solely for me because I was truly jealous of everybody that was making anything or selling anything or had a studio or was an artist with a capital A because I just felt like a loser and that I would never make art again and yada, yada, yada. So I started the Jaws Curator for that purpose, just for me as a sort of a visual bookmarks list and as a way to get past the jealousy and turn it into something positive. I wanted to turn that negativity into something positive like admiration and talk about why I love these artists and what it is about their work that I wish I was doing. Um, so I was writing really sporadically, like basically whenever my son napped, that's when I would do a post. And if he didn't nap that day, there was no post that day. Um, three days would go by and I'd write another post and then maybe a week. And then maybe I'd write three in a, in a row, you know, it was totally all over the place and it didn't matter because it was basically a journal for me. But then people started commenting, which meant people that I did not know were reading it. And suddenly all of my years of being a creative director and advertising and all of my, you know, before Charlie life, um, before mom life, I, I was like, oh, I must be organized and scheduled. And so I started to be really consistent and I would write one post every day and I scheduled it and it would go up at 1 p.m. Um, so that maybe meant I had to write it the night before, um, whatever. So I always had to find time in my day and it wasn't very much. It took maybe 15 or 20 minutes to write a post. And, um, but whenever I could in the day, I would make sure I had a post ready for the next day. Um, 
And that was crazy because um, suddenly people kind of knew what to expect. Um, I knew what to expect. I was feeling like a curator. I was feeling like every single day my toe was dipping into the art world. Um, I was totally passionate about it. I, I couldn't wait to write the next post. Um, I didn't care really. Like I didn't, you know, this was back in 19, uh, 2009 when everybody was monetizing blogs. I never did that because it wasn't about that for me. It was just about sharing artwork that I loved every single day. And I didn't mean for it to, to take off, but because there was passion and consistency and, you know, I was being, um, true to what I loved and why I loved it, suddenly there were readers showing up and then there were book deals that came and then I got asked to speak about this stuff. And, um, you know, I talk about that a lot that like whatever your passion is, like if your passion isn't art, don't start an art blog because you think it's going to be a moneymaker. FYI, it is not. Um, <laughs> um, or like design blogs were really big, you know, so everybody was starting a design blog, whether they loved design or not. So I would always say like, if you don't care about that, don't do that because it's, you're going to get bored really fast and you won't be committed and the, pa the, the lack of passion will show through. So what you want to do, like if you love rock gardens, I don't know why that was always my example. If you love rock gardens, write about rock gardens or make art about rock gardens or uh, write poems about rock gardens. And you might start with a really small following, like your family, and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's all I had at the beginning. But then you're going to find your people and the rock garden people are going to come and they're the ones that are going to buy your art or your poems or whatever it is um, because they're into it too. So that was a really long way to say exactly what I already said, but be passionate about the thing that you're making. And again, you might not know what that is. You might still be in the experiment phase. You, you know, you, you, if it's textiles or jewelry or paintings or whatever it is, um, but when you hit on it, not from a selling point of view, but when you hit on it in a passion point of view where you're like, oh my gosh, I can't make, wait to make another one of those. I can't wait to share that with people because I love this ring that I just made out of an old necklace. I need to show people. That kind of thing is going to, that's what's going to propel all of this forward. Um, another thing I have to say about this is there are a lot of amazing artists that you would assume full-time artists that make art every day all day and that's their sole source of income that have other jobs that either teach part-time or um one of my favorites is terence Payne, who makes these huge beautiful pastel drawings that you know often sell before he's even finished making them he works at a bar um, a couple days a week a it kind of gets him out of the studio uh, there's lots of funny things that happen at this bar. So he gets really good stories from it, it inspires him. Uh, he talks to people <laughs> instead of being in his studio all day. He actually meets other humans. So there's nothing actually wrong with having another thing so that, you know, maybe your art is starting as the side hustle and you've got a, a full-time job. Maybe as you find that passion and as you find your thing and you find your audience, maybe it starts to shift and your, your artwork is, you know, two thirds of your, of your life. And this other thing becomes the side hustle, but there's no shame in having another thing on the side that pays the bills. You're still an artist that, that does not matter. Um, 
Oh my gosh, you guys, it's just me looking into a camera, talking and talking and talking. Fun, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so since there isn't any poison cake in this episode, we're not going to need um, a medical forensic expert, but we are in need of an expert, a creative expert who knows what it takes to going from having a full-time job to being a full-time artist who absolutely creates stuff that the eight-year-old in her would have loved. That was one of the things Sarah had mentioned to me um, as an aside that she, well, and I think it was at the end of her letter too, that she really wishes she could just make like she did when she was a kid. Well, this creative expert does exactly that. Um, and she makes all of her money from this now. So based on all of that, can you guess who's showing up today? Hmm. Um, we're gonna need a time machine for this expert. Join me, won't you? Doodle 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 doodle. And here we are, many Hooray! hours in the future, with Rachel Burke. Hooray! <laughs> Yay! Hello. Tell me, what's tomorrow like? Oh, look, tomorrow is nice. It's sunny here. Um, it's uh, it's caffeinated, which is good. <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I, first of all, I have to say your earrings are fantastic. Did you make those? I saw somebody you were with wearing cherry ones. Yes, yes. Um, I've been doing some more flower earrings, and yeah, I made these little tulip dingles. So, oh yeah, yeah. Ever, Love ever it. talented. So, <laughs> Rachel, before we jump into today's investigation, mm -hmm. two things. Well, yes. three things. First. Could we please talk about you making a birthday suit for Harry Styles <laughs> and one of your dresses being worn at the Grammys? We can talk about that. It was a lot. It was a busy week last week. Oh, gosh. Quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, we can. Uh, Harry, because he, you know, is everyone's favorite gent. Um, yeah, that was crazy. I just literally got an email and I woke up because of these time differences, because it was an email from Palm Spring Springs. I woke up and was like to my partner, like, oh my God, oh my God, it's Harry Styles' birthday suit. And they found out, I think, quite late in the piece that he was going to be performing at their arena. Mm. Uh, and it was going to coincide with his birthday and they were super excited. So um, yeah, they wanted to make him a special thing. And there was some chatter about it being potentially worn on stage which made me extremely excited and very stressed I feel like those emotions run side by side for me uh <laughs> because I I couldn't bear the wondering it didn't happen so it was okay <laughs> but I, I think he's gonna wear it another time I think they probably had his wardrobe all set up mm -hmm. and it was like too much information changed but he's yeah. gonna wear it and yeah, and that's what I figure. My, I mean, I'm surrounded by lawyers, so they're always giving me their legal opinion. And I don't, you know, they haven't said anything about this, but my sister-in-law, um, who is a lawyer, um, looked into the Gucci contract, and that stuff is airtight. So oh. I don't know whether I would see it on stage in some time, but I did receive word that he received it and he was elated, and so was his team. Those were the words. Or maybe it was ecstatic. Any of them I took, and I, I actually think that could even be cooler. He's just going to have that jacket for, and his whole suit for his own personal usage. What great tidings he's going to yes. have. <laughs> Elated or ecstatic, whatever. 
whatever. <laughs> that starts with E yes. is great. And so yes. what, was it a jacket, a vest and pants or a skirt? Yeah. Or what was it? It was all those things. Um, it was, <laughs> yeah, a, a jacket that was made. It was super cool because the jacket itself had already been made. And when they were like, we want this birthday suit, I pitched them this idea because for Fashion Week, I'd made this really long jacket made out of upcycled tinsel that my Instagram followers had sent in last year. And this was a favorite piece. And I said to them, like, what if we made matching pants and then a matching vest so that he could, you know, outfit it any way that he desires. Um, And then I had to make the train because it's like a three meter long train detachable, uh, which was a lot of much more work than I anticipated (laughs) when I was offering all these things. Um, But uh, yeah. And then, and then I just sent it off and kind of, I'll be honest, forgot about it a little bit. I I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about it. What was the time difference there? Like how, A, how long did you have to do it? And B, how long was it between you sending it and the event? Well, gosh, the deadlines on this stuff are always so short. I think I got this um, engagement at the beginning of January and then I had like two weeks to make it after. I had literally had to wait for Harry's measurements, which was very exciting. Um, get those and then, <laughs> so surreal. And then uh, as soon as I had that, it was like, go. And, you know, there's lots of little things uh, like, to do with it as well it's like not just to make the clothes then you have to make really nice packaging and make it all look great uh which well, I you had your to... label inside that said that it was yeah 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 and they had real clear specifications about what they wanted in the label um and so a dust off the cricket the cricket do you yeah. know those like little yeah <laughs> Literally, it's such a DIY operation. And then uh, made like little tool bags for everything to go in. And yeah, and then it just got sent off. And and I kind of forgot about it. And then I saw that picture in his dressing room and I was like, okay, I think I can talk about it now. Here we go. Like it's it's out, it's out and about. And then it was crazy. Like because he's coming to Australia soon. The Australian media just like latched onto that you know, connection and and we're so excited, which was really lovely. And so is everyone on Instagram and TikTok were going mental, but, and there was like, will he wear it? Excitement. Um, Oh, I know. I was was checking your stories like every five minutes. (laughs) Is it on? Is it on? Did you change into it? No, I felt bad that I didn't get a picture of it on. And I'm very much like, I want photo evidence. Like, but I've had to remain calm with the dressing room shots and live in hope that one day out of the blue there's going to be Harry full 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 kit up yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> which would be and uh and then it was great to then segue into the Grammys where I had a lot of photo evidence of that so that was very nice <laughs> and so how did that one come about yeah so that was again the crazy world of Instagram. I got a DM from Alicia Gaddis, who was like, Oh, I really like your work. Would you be interested in working on my Grammy's dress? And straight away I was like, Heck yes. Um, I mean, yeah, just like a dream. And I am a home sewer. Like, let's be real. Like, as much as I'm like designing and doing stuff, it's all I'm in like the suburbs of Brisbane. So I love that crazy contrast of like just in my little studio, which we're renovating. So it's a hodgepodge. And then going to like Hollywood to LA, yeah. you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. um so I it's amazing. Yeah. Um so she kind so- of referenced and we brought it to life yeah and she's australian right but yeah. lives in la 
No, I think she's American. Oh, is I she? think she's American. So, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure. Her. I think she might um, have done some schooling in Australia or something. Maybe. Then. Look, maybe. I haven't done this. I should do some deeper Googling on that. I've maybe, I've maybe just assumed because of her accent. But um, yeah, she, uh, yeah. And then we just worked on the design together. We kind of referenced some things that she liked from things I'd made and put them together mm-hmm. to make that dress which was man so monumental. do you like check your dms every morning and be like huh i am across <laughs> the dms yes which is why i think i'm always running at such a like manic frequency because i'm always a little bit excited of like what's gonna be in the email today like oh, what's geez. coming uh which well, is I'm, uh, wearing, you know, I'm wearing rachel burke today stunning oh, where is it gorgeous my chips Cute. pin because <laughs> I love chips. So I have my deputy badge on for the crime solving, but then I was like, Rachel's coming. Uh, I need my pin. I I put pom-poms in my hair. Stunning. Yeah. And I even have um one of my um favorite painters actually for up on my Instagram right this second, Megan Hildebrand. Made me some oh my god earrings. I love those. They are good. I think yes. I should put them on. I was you like, on brand. I've got you know, but I mean, no. look, at, look at your studio. No, it's just enough. Okay, I got to catch yeah, up. More is more. Okay, okay. Yeah, the so studio co- is baby. <laughs> okay, we've covered the crazy that crazy stuff. Now let's talk about quickly because yeah. one of the questions is about sort. Well, I, both questions totally pertain to you, which is why. You're our expert today, but can you tell us your, your story from having a job to deciding that you were going to do this full time? Yes. Yeah. I'll give you the true microwave version. (laughs) Was very set on being a musical theater star, went to musical theater school. Not for me. Very um, much as I've heard your art journey, very similar to that experience for me in a musical theatre way. Dropped out after a year and then um, was just working retail and very much like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? I will never love anything as much as I love performing. But the more I thought about it, I was like, that's not true. You do love making your costumes. And and I, I just loved like making dresses for friends and things like really quickly. We'd like throw something together and go out on the town. And I loved that process. So I decided to start a blog when blogs were really happening. I was just working retail. And then for like a year, it really escalated. I was like, I'm going to make a dress a day for a year and keep a blog about it. I didn't have too many other commitments. Like I was sewing in my parents' garage. They were very kind, gave me that location. <laughs> um, and uh, and it really like took off. And and people, I got some really good feedback on what I was making on this little blog, got some good media and press around what I was doing, uh, was raising money for charity with it as well, which was great. Um, I would like sell the dresses and auction them off because um, I, I acknowledge I was learning and these were maybe imperfect things that could do something good. Uh, and then from there, the popularity, I guess, of the designs meant I could start a little label um, and then uh, that would sell out in a little shop that I stopped in Brisbane. So they offered me the role of being a designer and then I did that and that I went into the fashion world and did that for seven years. Um, but you weren't getting a- to do your yeah. stuff really, right? You were creative directing. No, I was like, yeah, I was um, like head of women's wear design 
And that's when I realized, though, through doing that, it all seemed really exciting because I was feeling really legit and having a fancy job. But I was um, like, this is not me. Like, I'm, I'm working out the formula of how to make this commercial stuff. Um, and I find it interesting, but it's not this. Like, I was doing streetwear for kids or, like, teenagers. Um, and so I would literally, like, race home at night and just, like, I just had this need to be doing this stuff that's behind me um, uh, on the sidelines. And I would just stay up to like 2 a.m. making stuff. And I started kind of living this double life. Like I was a crafty Batman where I would like go to work in like a black leather skort (laughs) (laughs) and a Nike T-shirt. And then I'd come home and be like, um, you know, queen of the desert, just Mm. (laughs) reveling in um color and just really this like really classic I guess it was such a contrast of worlds um and then it was very funny because it started this this little double life started gaining this momentum and popularity and obviously people in my work were on social media and were like what are you doing over there sort of thing and it was fine to do side by side for a time I ended up working that job where they were really parallel for five years and then an opportunity came along where I was like are we gonna do this are we gonna you know take it was it paid like a a little good sum that I was like I feel like I can financially feel calm about focusing on a year of my own work um looking back gosh it was actually a really small amount of money but it was still enough it sounded like a lot of the time to be like plan was like well I'll I'll give it a shot for a year and if it doesn't fly then I can go get another job or whatever absolutely I was like no one can take away my resume like I've now got that experience I can always go back the safety net is that that job is and that experience is not going to go away um but what might go away is this fire and this little spark and this time of exploration and now that I'm a parent too I realize how how valuable that was because that time that I had was so precious that, you know, um, unencumbered time of just, um, if that's the right word, um, of uh, being able to just kind of freely um, be tired and work away and experience. Yeah. And I just kind of followed each little stepping stone along the way and it was each little tiny leap that then led to going out on my own and doing all this stuff, yeah. making Harry Styles' birthday suit. <laughs> I just oh think gosh. it's so funny, honestly. It's so, it is <laughs> hilarious. Yes. <laughs> it's hilarious. A slash awesome. Um, okay, see, this is why this is so perfect. Okay, so um, I sent these to you ahead of time, but I'm just going to read them again yes. for everyone to hear. So the first question, I sort of took her main uh, thought. Um, this is Sarah. She mm-hmm. says, I feel so alive and happy when I create but other than participating in weekly warm-up exercises with my high school art students or showing them a sample demonstration I don't prioritize my own art making it leads to feeling tense and that I have to make something keepable whenever I finally sit down at a canvas I wish I could return to the uninhibited way I made art when I was a kid and just make so much work that I am free to try anything okay so that's Sarah and then Chrislyn says and we can discuss them separately. But um, so she says, how does one know if their creativity is a hobby or is it something bigger? Um, and when shared with the world could become a source of income and therefore an everyday life. Um, and she's she's from a long line of crafters. So I thought this would be good. So do you want to talk about one and then the other or both kind of together? 
Oh, we could do one and then the other, even though you're right. They're very connected um, in their vibe. I love the, I don't know who I heard say this, but the hobby versus jobby. I know. I almost called that this this episode. Yeah. What do we do? The hobbies or the jobbies? It's really hard, but no, I have a sensible response. (laughs) Uh, Let's pull them in in parts. We can talk about the first one because I think that that will link link into the next. Okay. so yeah. yeah, not prioritizing her work. She's an art teacher, doesn't prioritize her time. Um, she also owns a brewery. I didn't tell you this part. Oh she wow. Owns a brewery okay. with her husband and some friends. She curates mm-hmm. the art wall in the brewery, okay. but has never yes. put herself up there. Anywho. Oh, okay. Prime opportunity, but yeah. okay. I already gave yeah. her tough love for that. Um, and so, yes. yeah, so she wishes she could return to the way she made when she was a kid and just go for it and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So there, your thoughts. Yeah, the first thing that struck me from that was like the concept of keepable, like what it'd be really interesting to know, like what that means to her is like keepable, something that she wants to keep forever or is it something that she wants someone to buy? You know what I mean? Because I feel like. I think that, it's the second. I think it's that she thinks it's yeah. good enough to hang on the brewery wall. I think that's what she means by keepable. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, yeah, the first thing, and I encounter this a lot too still with my work, is that like entering into a creative space of play is really difficult when you have this like commercial cloud hovering over you, like this pressure to sell the work. Um, And I feel like if she is mentioning in that chunk, that chunk (laughs) in that um, story that she wants to connect, it sounds like she's actually more after the process, the process of play and the process of um, creating work as a result of that that play. Um, And I would, I would, my suggestion in this case would be to, if she's wanting to actually like make stuff um, and then it's maybe separate to, it sounds like she's got a nice community, but what you've said with the brewery thing which can sometimes come into play with art and stuff and whether she wants to do that together that I would be heading into whatever her art what is her art form is it painting oh yeah it's paint do you want me to show you I can share my screen yeah I would love to see yes hey I think I've got this figured out hold on oh I don't have her up I have you up (laughs) okay there you are can you see your your Instagram wow she's cute Um, okay, let me think here, Sarah. Where is she? So, oh, geez. See, now you're getting me all. Uh, That's okay. I put you on the spot. It must yeah. be okay. okay bookmarks. Everyone's going to see my bookmarks list. It's fine. Podcast Sarah Wilson. There she is. Okay. Mm. Okay. There we go. Oh, gotcha. So she yeah. does all sorts of things, but it's a lot of drawing and painting. Um, yes. So I yeah. think what it is with her is that she more feels like she barely has any time. Well, mm-hmm. she barely gives herself any time. And when she does sit down, <laughs> when she does sit down, she, you know, it has to be quote unquote perfect. Like, I think she feels like she needs to make a masterpiece if she actually gives herself the time to do it, you know? Yeah. And that, that's my question. I think why I brought up keepable as well. And, and looking at her work, like she's obviously like making work and finishing it, but it's like, I think you've got to 
ask yourself as well, like, what do you want out of your art? And it doesn't always have to be that you want to make your art your day job. Like that definitely happened with me that that happened. But I mean, a lot of the things I've read as well, particularly, I think that book, Big Magic, it talks about like using your day job to facilitate your art and your love and your vocation and taking the financial pressure off needing to sell that work until perhaps it is ready or happens really naturally as a result of you making like your truest work. And I just feel like it is hard, particularly with like art. I think it's a bit, it was a bit easier for me because I was creating products at the end of the day. Like Mm -hmm. I started creating like things that were wearable that people could buy. But that being said, the only way I got to this point was by having that initial exploratory time that was funded by my day job like mm-hmm. if if it had never transitioned into some financial opportunity I could potentially still be working that job because I am you know I don't like to just not think about the future and, and yeah. you know think about not having money um but I see that it is and so I think she could think about like what does she actually want out of her art practice is it is it the process and and exploring and seeing where she can get to and if so like that's fine that her day job is facilitating that and mm-hmm. just stop if she if keepable means viable stop thinking about that imaginary keeper because they're they're just a pressure point, I feel. Mm -hmm. And they're probably a little bit of a block in terms of like freedom, feeling free, because that imaginary customer, I think then puts imaginary parameters on the work, you know, of being like, oh, are they going to like that lilac? Are they going to like that tree? Is that going to look good in their living room? Like that's a really difficult place to start from different if you have a commission where someone's like I want this piece of work but I I feel like I can struggle too even if I'm working on a show or something if I start thinking about that imaginary customer you're starting to create products and not art like that's the thing it's like are you telling your story are you going through a process are you enjoying that journey like that's art making like all those things are you making your own meaning or are you trying to create something commercial like, yeah and that and, I was and both about, of those are valid yeah but choose what you want yeah. yeah and I think yeah in your story in your little origin superhero story the difference between you and Sarah is that you were coming home and were work like couldn't wait to work on this side stuff where I think yeah. I yeah. think she's almost scared to and Sarah I'm not trying to put words in your mouth but that it feels yeah. like I'm calling her out on it. It feels like excuses, right? Yeah. So when you do get, so let me read it again. It leads to feeling tense and that I have to make something keepable whenever I finally sit down. I wish I could return to the uninhibited way I made art when I was a kid and just make so much work that I'm free to try anything. Well, you know what? Rachel, can you wave your little pink wand there that you have? Mm. Wish granted. You can sit down and just play in an uninhibited way. And you don't, and also you don't have to. Like you can go to the brewery and hang out with your friends. No one is saying you have to do these things. If you enjoy it and it's giving you joy, enjoyment, and like it's lighting you up, then then try and follow that path. Like what is it about your practice that, it makes you excited. It makes you actually want to do it. Because in her thing, she says like "have to," and like it's like right. you don't have to do it. Free yourself from feeling like you have to. Yeah, and maybe lack of pressure will mean that you can find out what you really want to do in that space. Whether it yeah. is 
painting the brewery wall or something like that, you know, yeah. free yourself from the constraints because then they're, they're not real. Yeah. They are imagination. And I have yeah. to remind myself that too all the time. Those things, we are our own little, you know, <laughs> know. we, we center ourselves things. before we even get started most of the time. Absolutely. Well, and I think like, like, your your studio yeah. is the best because you have so you have materials that we would have mm-hmm. had when we were kids. Like when when I had you on the podcast for the in, for to interview you about you, um, yeah. <laughs> the um, the the episode was titled um, "Jealous of a Spider." Yeah, because you were talking about the spider just being able to be out there building its beautiful web and you know yeah. being just all lost in it. Yeah. yeah, and then like, we're talking about. Yeah, I loved it. And like talking about being magpies and just like collecting weird sparkly things. So I think that it could be something interesting for Sarah because her work has like a general look. And I know a lot of people like really curate their Instagrams to make sure that all the work is looking the same. And Sarah, you don't have to put this this experimental stuff. This goes for Krizlin too. Just play, 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 play. Maybe if you want to make like a kid, go to your local dollar store, set yourself a limit of like $10. You know, just go to the pantry. and Get get your little Panadol box. Yeah. Yeah. Pump up. Yeah. Something. Exactly. Lower the stakes, you know. Yeah. Lower the stakes. Because when she said, even when she said, um, Whenever I finally sit down at a canvas, that was a trigger for mm-hmm. me because I used to buy canvases like they were going out of style. And like, I still have some of them blank from years ago because yeah. I panicked that it's so perfect and it was expensive. And so now whatever I do has to be keepable or has to be good or has to be, it, it has to come out of my head the way that I planned or it's a failure. So if you yeah. learn stakes and like work on just paper or work on um, a paper plate or um, like what Rachel does, like grab some old shoes that you haven't worn in a year and bedazzle the shit out of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Cause that's the thing. Canvases, what are they? They're like a box and you're having to fit into this thing. And there's all this, pre- it's like MoMA on a canvas. Like you have, you're imagining where it's going and, and how good it's going to be. And all, like, there's so much pressure and it's like, just, let's just bring it down and focus on what you want to do, which is the process. And like you're saying, just the play and have fun with it. Yeah. 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 Wow. And just we yeah, and you think about all those good creative things, just that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was actually thinking um, um, at the end of this, I'm going to give um, once we've said goodbye and send you back to the to the future pod that you live in. Um, I'm going to give a little assignment and I'm going to take a break in between this so I can go and grab a couple because I do have some childhood ones that are really fun that get you to explore yeah. like the stuff, like make you remember what you loved as a kid and give that a whirl. So we're going to I'm yeah. going to do that. Um, OK, so um, last question and then I'm going to let you go. So let's talk about Krizlin's a little bit, which we kind of touched on, but um, how does one know if their creativity is a hobby or something bigger that could then become a source of income? And we've kind of touched on it. One of the things I basically said was, you know, be passionate about it. And if you're loving doing it, it could very well become a thing. Um, but how, what? how do you see it? Or Well, yeah, again, I would just be like, if you're at that point where your work is 
ready to sell. Like you kind of know because you're getting inquiries about that work, I feel. Like right. you're getting inquiries or you're testing it by taking it to a market. And all my advice with this stuff is always like keep the stakes really low and progress incrementally. So it's not like, oh, I've got these paintings. I need to open a shop tomorrow. Like <laughs> yeah. allow it to be incremental. And also like ask yourself if that's something that you want to do. Do you want to turn your hobby into a jobby? Because there are there are ramifications of that, like in terms of like pressure and sometimes the work does have to become more commercial and you might find that you know you're painting I don't know let's say pink pink sheep and everyone really loves pink sheep and suddenly that's all they want you to do and that's what sells really well are you happy to create sellable work as opposed to like the next source of inspiration and how you're going to juggle exploration with now a business like Mm -hmm. there's a lot to think about there that's why I'm always like start very in feel okay to start incrementally like maybe just start by selling on social media if people are interested and and sending you dms and then maybe start an etsy if there there's room for growth there and Mm -hmm. always be checking in with yourself of like am i happy with this do we do we like what we're doing do i want to change up the work like there's there's a lot of i think check-in points with yourself to be like how am i feeling about this Do I want to quit the day job? Can I support myself like that? And then will that take away the fun of the work or will it be totally fine? Like there's there's a lot. I feel like there's a lot of fantasy that comes as well with like just having a creative business, but there are still a lot of like things that come into it that aren't a fantasy. You know, it is a lot of insane hard work and the buck stops with you sort of thing. And, you know, Someone's not going to pay your superannuation for you. You have to do that. <laughs> yeah. When I was you saying, know, I said like at the that. beginning with my take yeah. was sort of that there's a lot of really amazing artists who you would assume are full-time artists who actually have jobs on the side um, really? that maybe started as their full-time with their creative side hustle. And then the side hustle took over and, but they kept yeah. you know, like two thirds art, one third other job or whatever. Yes. And I think that there's, I think, I feel like that's a really like cons- like great point is that when it happens really naturally like that and when it feels right it's probably because it is right and those and but I really love day jobs funding like these passions and things because I do honestly think that and maybe it's because it's biased because that's what happened with me but it does allow the work to be a bit more true because you don't have the pressure of paying like your mortgage with your art and how much work you have to make to actually make that happen like it, it, it can be a lot so like actually relish that time where you don't have financial pressure and um and see what you can make with that freedom and be excited. I'm always, I used to be like being like, I feel excited that like this kind of boring day job is like paying for this. Like I can just go and buy all my materials from the dollar store without being worried. Cause when I worked retail back in the day and was earning like nothing, I remember how hard it was to get materials and live life it was just really difficult so um there's something to be said for letting your work facilitate um your practice and that being totally fine without being the pressure of it being the full-time jobby yeah Yeah. and i i the myth i love squashing is that um you you can be a real artist you can be a really successful artist with a capital a and not have it be you're full-time every day, all day. Um, I think people feel like they can't call them, calling yourself an artist is hard to begin with. And I think people feel like, well, I can't say it until 
It is my sole source of income. And so I think we should all call bullshit on that right now. Absolutely. Everybody listening, everybody watching, let's all call bullshit on it. Let's all call ourselves an artist with a capital A, regardless yes. of what other things we've got going on, because we make things, therefore we are artists. The end. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. 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 No, I, I couldn't say it better. I, I agree. Yeah. I interrupted okay. you to say it, but it just, yeah, your little wand just inspired yeah. me. Um, um, it? Zoom is telling me that I can only talk to you for a couple more minutes before it kicks us yeah. off or makes me pay them. And I'm not going to pay. <laughs> just no, you're not. Yes. <laughs> can I ask you one thing before we go? Because I think I can see it behind you. Is that your Cheshire cat? <gasps> yes, it is. Oh thing. God. Is it yep. a dress or is it like yeah, a cape? It's a really long jacket with a detachable train. You know, they're versatile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and Harry should yeah. go out together with your detachable. No, it's essential. I'm actually thinking I really want to make one that's like the length of a street. Like that's just so long, like that it's silly. But see, again, play. I can't sell that potentially. You know, we're going to have a play around with it. Yeah. <laughs> Even you have a play. Hobby coats in my jobby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, hobbies and jobbies all together are, are the magic of being creative people. Um, I agree. Well, I will send you back into the future that is Australia. Thank you yes. so much for your thoughts and insights and hilariousness and stories. And um, I think this weekend we should all glue a pom-pom onto something for you. Yes. Yeah. Get your cereal box and turn it into a tiny handbag. That will solve all your problems. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. Thank yeah. you so, so much. And I will, I'll see you on Instagram. See you on the internet. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay. We're back in the present. We sent Rachel off to the future where she was creating all of her craziness. And um, I hope you guys love that as much as I did. She's just, is she not a ray of sunshine? Anyway, um, I'm going to summarize what I think about this case. But before I do, I want to give you an assignment. Um, I think this is for both of our people with their questions today, Sarah and Krislin, about um, passion and hobbies and how to pick and how to play and um, make the things that are going to resonate with you, but also resonate with possible buyers or um, however you want to approach your creativity. So not to... This is not meant to be a hard sell, but this is my book. Big Important Art Book, Now with Women, because I had way too many Big Important Art Books that had no women in them. So I wrote this a few years ago. Anyway, in this book, each chapter starts with a project. And so there's a chapter um, that features three women artists, three female artists. Um, and this chapter is called Capture Childhood because all of them do in their work, these women. So here's the project, ready? Okay. Close your eyes, take a deep breath, and think back to being a kid. Now grab a pen and fill in the blanks. Um, where should I put this for you guys so that you don't have to write it down right now? I think I can put it at the bottom of the YouTube video. So I'll type it out there so that you've got all of the prompts there. So you can just listen right now and um, write it uh, and get it from you uh, the YouTube page. So um, you're going to grab a pen and fill in the blank. So first question, my favorite toy was blank. My favorite game to play 
was blank. My favorite holiday was blank because blank. My bedroom looked like blank. So really describe that one. Um, my bedroom, fun fact, had a shag carpet on the wall. Yeah, I thought it, my friends thought it was the coolest thing. I thought it was the coolest thing. It was multicolored as well. So try and imagine that. Um, next question. I would have eaten blank every day if I was allowed. My best friend's name was blank. I loved watching and then list out any TV or TV show, movie, cartoon, whatever you watched on repeat. My favorite piece of clothing was blank. Again, spoiler alert, mine had a rainbow on it. Um, and the final one. I had, or I wish I had, a pet blank, what kind of pet, named blank. So I always wanted a rabbit. My mom would never buy me one. She said that they were too stinky. Anyway, every Easter, I still kind of hope somebody buys me a bunny, but I guess that's not very ethical. Anyway, so what you're going to do once you have filled all of that out, and again, I'll put it on YouTube so you don't have to remember any of it right now. Um, once you have that list, um, create a small series based on being, yes, small. Cut pieces of paper into five by five inch squares or use post-it notes if you like um, and make one drawing, collage or painting for each of the answers above. Once finished, hang them in a lovely three by three inch grid or in a gallery cluster. Voila, childhood captured. Actually, you could even put them on the fridge with magnets. Oh, I loved it when my art got put on the fridge. So, um, you know, it just kind of challenges you to think about being a kid. But more importantly, let go of all of the rules that we put our, on ourselves as we get older. And all of the boxes we put ourselves in, like, like Rachel was saying, like, oh, what if they, quote unquote, they the buyers, the collectors, the Instagram viewers, whatever. What if they don't like lilac? What if they don't like pom-poms? What if, what if they don't like, who cares? What do you like? And when you were a kid, you didn't really care. You know, you just, uh, if you were really into blue, well, then you know that everything you wore was blue. Your room was blue. Like, so we have to kind of Remember to go back to that when we're feeling stuck um, uh, or like in chrism. In your case, when you're like trying to decide which of your hobbies might become your jobby, um, before it can become your jobby, you need to know which of those many um, things, textiles, jewelry, painting, whatever it might be, which thing is going to fuel you the way you were fueled when you were six. Because like Rachel was saying, that's what's going to keep you motivated to keep showing up, um, you know, Sarah, after you've been at the brewery or after you've been at um, teaching art all day at school, what's going to fuel you to go into your little spare room or your garage or your dining room table to make that work? If you're not really inspired and passionate and excited and feeling like a six-year-old, you're going to be it's going to be really easy to turn on Netflix instead, right? You know, I'm right. You guys know it. Um, okay. So I just want to wrap up this case because I think we're very close to it being solved. Um, so my three takeaways, number one, make time. 
even if it's 15 minutes a day or it's just Monday, Wednesday, Thursday night, whatever it is, um, put it in your schedule. Like actually put it in your calendar and be committed to those time slots. And you know what? If after a week or two, you're not able to do those time slots, it doesn't mean you failed. It means those time slots aren't working. So um, don't just ignore me and toss out all of this brilliant advice. Um, rearrange your schedule. I, I used to have a friend that would get up at five in the morning and make until 7 a.m. before she had to get her girls up for school. So I thought, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to try it. When Charlie was there, they were friends with Charlie. So I thought when he was little, I was like, I'll do that too. Oh my Lord, me at 5 a.m. is a terrible, terrible thing. I wasn't creative at all. So working from five till seven every morning did not work for me. What I realized was I'm more of a night owl. So I would work after I put Charlie to bed. So from nine till 11 or nine till midnight was actually a much more creative time for me that fit into my day. So um, yeah, all that to say, don't toss it out the first attempt if your schedule doesn't work. Number two, okay, when it is that art making time that you have found that works with your schedule, do not be precious. Sarah, this one is specifically for you in this case, and probably a zillion people listening too. Um, you do not, I'm giving you the permission, Rachel waved her wand. You do not have to make a masterpiece every time you go in there. You can play, uh, you can make a lot of crap. In fact, when I had Kate Bingham and Bert, oh, I said it right the first time, Kate Bingham and Bert on my podcast years ago, this, the title of the episode was actually um, make lots of crap. And it's so true because for every, like she was, I forget the numbers, but what she said, you know, like for a hundred things that you make, one of them will be great, you know? And you're never going to walk in, sit down and make that one great thing without making the 99 that get you to the finish line, right? So be okay with making crap. Um, flip things over, um, do it on the back. And don't worry if you're like, oh God, what if I flip it over and I do something amazing on the back of this and now it's a masterpiece with crap on the back. How do I sell that? Sarah, I already know you're thinking all that. Get rid of all that thinking, flip it over, play. That side doesn't work out either, cool. Come back to it on your next um, studio chunk of time cut it into slices, try it, making it into a collage. Like the whole thing is the commitment to being in there and letting go of that preciousness. Kids don't worry about that. They just glue stuff onto stuff and put it on their fridge. So let's do that. Um, the other thing I would say about your studio time is have a whole bunch of things on the go instead of just that one perfect canvas um, that you're working on. Have several little things on the go. So Maybe you've got experiments from past studio days and they're just sort of either unfinished or half finished and um, go back to them, play around a little bit. Um, when you're feeling inspired to get onto the canvas, then go and do that for a little bit. But if it's this, if it's this like holier than now canvas and it's all your focus and it's the only thing going, uh, you can't help but get precious about it. So we got to dismantle that a little bit. So um, having a bunch of little projects going at the same time in all different mediums, or, you know, maybe you've got one from the kid's shelf and you've got one from, from you know, the portfolio that you're trying to build, um, have a bunch of stuff going on. Um, okay. So in both of the situations of the, of the 
hard case that got sent in today. Both of you um, and everybody, again, listening, I want you to think about these things like the rungs on a ladder. Making art a full-time endeavor or making one final piece that you absolutely love. Both of these things take time and they take lots and lots of steps. Um, so if you think about a ladder, like you can't go from the ground to the top of the ladder in one jump, like you will fall and probably break your back. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that, right? You have to take one step onto the first rung, another step, another step, another step, another step until you reach the top. So that's what you have to sort of think about um, all of these creative endeavors or anything, actually any goal that you have. Um, realize that taking your time and going step by step and, you know, maybe every now and then you take a step back down on the ladder, but you're still on the ladder. Um, and next time you'll go up another one and you'll go up another one. I think when we set ourselves up to decide that we're going to go right from the ground to the top of the ladder, we kind of set ourselves up for disappointment. So um, if you're ever feeling like that, just, you know, picture, picture the ladder, imagine where you are on it and know that you've got a few more rungs to go or that, you know, um, you're a lot further away from the ground than you used to be and just keep on going. Um, and that my friends, I think the badge is shining in the light. Oh, there it is. I'm going to call that case solved. I will be back in two weeks with a brand new case and a brand new creative expert to weigh in on the questions. Again, if you'd like to submit a question, they um, come from people who are subscribed to my newsletter. So if you want to subscribe or you are subscribed, um, just send me an email and let me know your question. And uh, if you're not subscribed, you can just go to um, my Instagram which is just the Jaws Curator on Instagram, all one word. And you'll see in my um, bio links, and I'll put it in the YouTube bio links or the YouTube links as well, um, a direct link to where you can sign up if you would like to. Um, all right. Until then, um, have fun, make lots of stuff, don't be precious, <laughs> and I will see you soon.